All right, you guys, let's listen up. We won a game yesterday. And if we win one today, that's two in a row. We win one tomorrow, that's called a winning streak. I like that he don't help me. Trying to say Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball? Oh. If I do the hurt, if I do the pain, without the yes, there is no gain. We live our lives for the love of the day. And we will rise. This is our time. So let the chances of our lifetime pass us by. Welcome to Sweep Delay Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike Mac Masunas. How is everybody doing out there? What is up, everybody? It's good to be back. I got a killer headache, but you know what? Duty calls, and this podcast needs to be recorded and needs to be sent to you, and that's my job, and that's what I'm here for. So I'm very excited for tonight's episode because we have reached a new chapter in STL Podcast. What's that chapter you say, Masunas? Well, I'm glad you asked. Here's the deal. So last week was the Star Wars Episode 1 episode. And uh, I have to admit, I thought it was pretty fun. I thought it was uh, it was good. I had a great time. And, uh, and I thought for sure it was going to be like the biggest episode ever for this podcast. Oh, it was definitely the biggest episode ever. Uh, it was the most controversial episode I've ever done. And, I mean, I've done some doozies before. I mean, you would think Howard the Duck would be a controversial film, uh, Armageddon because it's Michael Bay, nope, 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 it was Star Wars Episode One. So a couple things have happened in the past week that I just want to talk about real quick before we get rolling into the normal stuff that you're used to hearing, let's get into some stuff real quick before we get rolling into that. So, so what I mean by controversial, so the first day everything's good, getting some good feedback from the hardcore STL members, but then the next day is when things started to officially uh, hit the crapper. Now, I'm not going to go into details about what happened and who said what and and all that mumbo-jumbo stuff. It's irrelevant. Nobody needs to know about it. Who cares? It's basically a long story of there was a lot of uh, complaining and negativity and just a lot of drama in regards to the episode. And, uh, and it's not from one person per se. Uh, there was a lot of people involved in uh, all the feedback that I was getting. Now, I don't mind feedback. I mean, you guys know we're all going to have a difference of opinion. That's the great thing about everybody is they all have their own opinion. And I welcome it. And, and you know, since this show has started... Uh, I've definitely taken everybody's feedback and you know even if you may not have agreed with me we've all come to the understanding of you know agree to disagree we've all had a good time everything's been very respectable everything's been super fun 
And uh, and that's what makes this show awesome is the fact of this is the away from the normal life. You know, this is the the place to go for me to to have fun. So to have drama come about from a particular episode, I essentially on Facebook and in the STL group uh, kind of made a, a paragraph or whatever you want to say of just expressing my feelings on what's been going on, uh, not pointing to blame in anybody in particular, but just saying that I really don't want to continue the Star Wars series if this is the kind of crap that I'm going to be dealing with because Star Wars is essentially... It seemed to be the Holy Grail. I mean, it was almost like me and Ty were, were talking the Bible here or something. I mean, it was just really going crazy. And uh, a lot of bad negative feedback had been, uh, you know, had been sent to me on different things that I said and all this other crap. So, so needless to say, uh, I have decided to cancel the Star Wars series. Now... You know, a lot of people will just say, well, Mike, why are you caving in? You know, they win, you lose. Well, here's the thing. I don't lose, I win. Because of the fact of this show is the place that has always had one rule. And it's kind of been an unspoken rule. And what the rule is, is that we are going to have a good time. And there's this is a drama-free podcast. This podcast has always been drama-free. All the fans have always been drama-free. Every movie has been drama-free. And it's going to continue to be drama-free. So that's essentially, you know, every podcast has their own uh, logo. Not logo, but their own saying. Uh, here's going to be the new saying of this podcast. It's going to be sweep the leg, where the, letting the good times flow. That's I know it's kind of cheesy, but that's essentially this podcast in a nutshell is letting the good times flow. Talking about some excellent movies that I have fun with, that uh, you have had fun with, that we uh, we talk about music, that we all uh, we get introduced to new music. And we talk about music and TV shows and everything else. It's just our place to get together and just have a good time. So to keep the essence of the drama-free podcast, which granted has been, as I said, an unspoken rule, but everybody, especially the hardcore STL fans, know this is a drama-free podcast and it will remain a drama-free podcast. So going forward, there will not be any cult series, quote-unquote, like uh, Lord of the Rings or Star Trek or Star Wars. I'm not going to submit myself to that. It's not like I'm getting paid to take the abuse of uh, of uh, Holy Grail comments sent to me. So we're going to continue to uh, to go down the path of the fun movies, and that's exactly what we're going to do. And uh, and that's all I really wanted to say about that whole situation. Now you may be asking yourself a couple different questions. Like, how does Ty feel about this? Well, me and him talked about it. Everything's cool. He agrees with me. Uh, we didn't know that there was going to be drama in regards to the episode. Uh, you know, there's been comments about him and there's been comments about me. And it's just, we're just throwing it away. Okay. So, you know, and most people wouldn't take the time to, to talk about what's been going on, drama and stuff like that. But you know what? Always honest with you guys, and that's how I plan on being. And uh, I'm just getting this out in the open because we're going to drop it. After today, no more Star Wars talk. I don't want to hear it. I'm kind of I'm kind of bitter towards it at this point in time. Uh, so the next time I see a Star Wars film isn't going to be for a long time. So let's just 
just just end this Star Wars thing. And the next couple movies we're going to be doing, obviously, get Major League today. Uh, next week is going to be The Last Dragon, and the following week will be The Avengers, and that's going to be a non-spoiler review. And then after the music spotlight will be a spoiler-filled section of The Avengers, and then after that. We're going to be getting into some other fun movies like Return to Oz, which I consider to be a horror film, uh, not a family film. And then uh, The Princess Bride, I've been asked if uh, if I would do that, and I said how much I hate that film. But I am actually interested in revisiting that film to see if I still hate that film. So it's kind of going to be called the... Uh, the See If Missouna Still Hates It movie, The Princess Bride. And then we're also going to have Judge Dredd in there, part of the Guilty Pleasure series. The first of the series started off with Avengers and Fort Fairlane. So part two of that series is going to be Judge Dredd. That's going to be coming your way. And then also the Batman series. Now, I've already done Batman 89. So the question will be, would you like me to start over? And do that review kind of, you know, I only did like a 20-minute review of that, so I really didn't t- spend a whole lot of time in detail on that. I'd be more than happy to do that movie again. So you let me know if you want me to redo that. And uh, that will be happening in June, right before The Dark Knight Rises is set to come to the theater. So all in all, other details are going to be throughout this episode. But uh, th- I just wanted to get that out of the way. So here's the deal what's going to be going on with this episode. This is a very, very special episode. So this movie is Major League. Now Major League, obviously, uh, is my uh, is definitely my favorite sports film. And as you guys know from the wrestling episode, I mentioned how I'm not into sports anymore. Uh, but I do go to hockey games because they're fun. And one thing with hockey games, just like baseball games, is uh, there's a lot of music that plays during a, during a hockey game or during a, a basketball or, or baseball game. And, and it's mostly just to get you pumped up. And, and that's the thing that, that you remember. So there's going to be a lot of music played during this episode. And, uh, of course, it's going to be in the background. And uh, some of it will be pretty low, especially when I'm doing the review. So here's the cool thing about this episode. It's going to be kind of two-in-one. The first part of you listening will just be the regular review. And then you can go back and listen to it again to hear all the music in the background. So that's what's kind of cool about the episode. And this is essentially a party episode. You know, I kind of had, uh, I kind of been frustrated and just overall pissed off with uh, the past week and uh, just not really feeling uh, positive. But since this is a drama free podcast, I definitely want to get the groove, the fun factor back into the show. And the best way to do that is to have some awesome music. So I'm going to try to play you uh, some of the most energetic. Uh, sports filled songs or uh, just overall tunes that uh, that you know and love and uh, and then there's going to be some special uh, special songs there that the hardcore STL members are going to know and love that the regular you know maybe casual people are not going to know that song but the hardcore ones are going to be like that was played for me so that's what's going to be cool about this episode it's going to be super fun this is the STL party episode talking some major league so uh, so that's all that's basically what is going on it's going to be a fun couple of months and uh, i'm looking forward to it it's going to be some good time some more details towards the end of the show so let's get all that mumbo jumbo crap out of the way and let's move on to the fun stuff let's start off the episode with the good old movie and music news Yes, 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 yes,
right, so this week in uh, movie and music news. Now, uh, just so you guys know from the last episode, uh, there was uh, game news that was done by Ty. Now, that is still going to be part of the show, but it's not going to be an every week kind of thing just because not everybody's a gamer, but it was definitely a very fun segment to have. A lot of people definitely dug the intro that I had for the uh, game news and uh, there's definitely some exciting game news coming so I'm gonna save some of the game news that I have I'm gonna save it for the next episode so probably about a good once a month is when I'm gonna be doing the game news and then um, if you are a fan of the cannonball run uh, there is talks of me and Ty getting together to do some cannonball run don't know when that's gonna happen quite yet but that is hopefully in the in the foreseen coming future so I will keep you posted on that so in regards to movie news this week boy we have a lot of it so um, if you didn't know already I am doing the uh, the Marvel rewatch because uh, the wife and me are gonna go see the Avengers so uh, what's really cool is I actually started off with uh, Iron Man the first one and then I did Iron Man 2 now I saw Iron Man 2 the first time and I didn't like it I didn't care for it but the second time around, it was more because I knew what to expect. I enjoyed it a heck of a lot more. So I would say the first Iron Man I probably give. Well, actually, I'll save my ratings for those films in the Avengers episode. But I just want to say that I definitely enjoyed uh, Iron Man 2 a lot more the second time around than the first time. So uh, definitely getting ready to do the Avengers episode. It's been cool. We did Iron Man 1 and 2. We did Incredible Hulk last night. Then Thursday, I'm going to be doing Thor and then Captain America. It really works doing it that way because at the end of Iron Man 2, uh, when he's talking to Nick Fury, there are TV screens of when the Incredible Hulk in the middle of the film after uh, he swallows the flash drive and then he hulks out and takes on the army. That is the exact footage. The news footage is shown on the Marvel screen. On not the Marvel screen. On Tony Stark's screens when he's talking to Shield at the very end of the episode because technically Iron Man 2 and Incredible Hulk happen at the same exact time. So it makes perfect sense if I'm watching it as Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2, and then Incredible Hulk. So and I'm saving Captain America for last even though technically it comes first just because of the whole uh, New York thing at the end of the episode. So it's been awesome. I definitely highly suggest it. So other cool news, now today on the Facebook page I posted the trailer to G.I. Joe, which I thought was brand new because on, on sites I saw that it was brand new and then come to find out it actually was an exclusive released a couple months ago, but it had a lot more footage of, uh, of Bruce Willis and, and, and Dwayne Johnson and it was just flipping, it was flipping awesome, man. I really loved the trailer. I was like, wow, so good. So if you want to check out that exclusive trailer which you probably may have seen in other places but go ahead and check out on the Facebook page I got it posted there so let's talk about some interesting news here so Mel Gibson is going to be a machete too now machete is uh, an over-the-top crazy ridiculous stupid film that I absolutely love uh, that stars Danny Trejo uh, one of my favorite parts of the whole entire film uh, he cuts this guy's stomach so he could grab his intestines and then you see him running down uh, running down a hallway so he could use this guy's intestines to jump out the window to get to the next floor. I mean it was flipping awesome. So I mean it's way over the top but Steven Seagal was the bad guy in uh, the first machete so they're going to have Mel Gibson 
come in to be, uh, I'm assuming, the bad guy in Machete 2. So I'm looking forward to it. Should be a good train wreck. Now, here's what's some pretty awesome news. So, uh, Fast 6 is going to be start filming soon. And the new cast member, because for sure we have uh, Dwayne Johnson coming back, we have Vin Diesel coming back, and we have Paul Walker coming back. The majority of the rest of them should be coming back, but those three are officially signed, especially to do the last one, which will be Fast 7, because it is going to be another heist film, but the plan is to do Fast 6 and Fast 7, and that's it, the end of the series. And uh, they were going to back to do back-to-back of Fast 6 and 7, but Dwayne Johnson said that due to the filming locations and the weather, it won't work out for them to be able to film both back-to-back. But uh, if you have seen the movie Haywire, which had Gina Carano uh, in that film, she is officially been cast to join in Fast 6. And uh, I'm pretty excited about that. Now, granted, I never saw Haywire but I know, I know Gina though, and I mean she's a pretty tough girl, and I think it definitely would be interesting her being in this film. I have no idea the part that she's going to play. I just know she was officially cast. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be some excellent good times. Uh, now Iron Man 3, uh, we have some news in regards to Iron Man 3 uh, because they're going to start filming that pretty soon. And uh, there's a lady by the name of Jessica Chastin. Uh, she was from the Tree of Life, and uh, she's in talks of joining Iron Man 3. Shane Black, who directed Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, is going to take over the directing uh, duties. Uh, film's supposed to come out in 2013, and the uh, Jessica, Jessica would essentially play this character, who is a sexy scientist who is just as smart as Tony Stark. So uh, should hopefully be good. And the cool thing is, is they're going to explain why Iron Man can't call upon his new Avenger friends. They're going to try to kind of put him away, um, kind of like bring it back to the first one where he's kind of in solitude. That way he can't call the Hulk or Thor or Captain America, whatever. I like the fact that they're going to do that and not just make you think that Avengers was just kind of a one-off. So pretty awesome uh, when I heard that news. It's some good stuff. Uh, but Iron Man 3 will officially have Robert Downey Jr., uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, John, Don Cheeto will be returning, and Guy Pearce and uh, Ben Kingsley have uh, both been uh, either confirmed uh, or rumored to be the villains of the film. So we will find out for sure uh, when that will officially occur. So I'm looking forward to it. going to be some good stuff. All right. Now, I am a fan of the film uh, Sin City. Really cool. Uh, I had Bruce Willis and Mickey Rourke in the film, and uh, it was uh, a Robert Rodriguez film, and really, really cool. They are actually going to do a sequel to the film, and uh, Mickey Rourke and Rosario Dawson are planning on returning for the sequel, and what the potential name is called is A Dame to Kill For, and it's going to be a prequel. So that ought to be pretty awesome because you'll be able to have some returning people from the uh, from Sin City that died will be able to come back for the film. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I definitely enjoy Sin City. It's definitely a, a very fun, uh, great film. Now, uh, Alfred Hitchcock. There's going to be this film which is going to be called Hitchcock. Now, Anthony Hopkins is set to be Alfred Hitchcock. There's already photos of him playing Alfred Hitchcock, which he looks really cool. But the good news is is that good old karate kid Daniel LaRusso, Ralph Macho, has been cast 
to be in the film. Uh, very excited. Uh, you know, if I want, if I had to get a reason to watch the film, I definitely have a reason now. Uh, I believe Ralph Macho is going to be playing an assistant to Alfred Hitchcock, but I'm not 100% sure on that. I just know that he was officially cast uh, this past week to be in the film, so I'm super excited for that. So it's going to be good times. Now, what's really funny is we all know that Amazing Spider-Man has not come out yet, but uh, we all know that there is talks, well, that there's already a sequel plan. Funny thing is, is that production is set to start in the first quarter of 2013 for The Amazing Spider-Man 2, and there's already a screenplay being worked on currently, and uh, I'll tell you, they must have a lot of faith in this film for them to start working on the sequel. Uh, you know, you don't usually see that too much where they're already working on the sequel and the screenplay and the film isn't even out yet. So that actually gives me high hopes for this film. So looking forward to it. And last but definitely not least in movie news, good old Dwayne The Rock Johnson was officially crowned an award today. And that award was the Action Star of the Decade, which was presented to him by CinemaCon. So that is flipping awesome. I'm very excited for him. That is awesome. Uh, that's my boy, Dwayne Johnson, totally kicking some rear end, and it's some good stuff. And then also, uh, in other news, I actually spoiled Doom for our good friend Jason. He's kind of pissed off at me right now because he said Doom was in his Netflix, his Netflix queue, which we all know is a bunch of crap. But anyways, it was still a funny story because of the fact of, you know, he's, you know I, t- I mentioned what happens at the end of Doom, that I love that, and he got mad that I spoil it for him, and how can I be a, you know, the, the Dwayne Johnson advocate if I'm spoiling films, but the real spoiler would have been if I would have gave away the ending of Fast Five, which I never did, so, you know, it it's just makes the film that much better for you when you know the real truth about uh, about the rock and doom so no no loss there sir no so it's all good so let's move on to some music news here all right so in music news now last week uh was pretty hardcore in regards to american idol now i mentioned earlier um that i wasn't a big fan of american idol this year in fact i pretty much hated the season but uh, i have been watching the results shows on wednesday i actually haven't watched uh, tuesdays uh tuesdays is the performance day uh, one of my main, actually my favorite of the year was Colton, Colton Dixon. And uh, Colton's really cool, he's got some really cool hair and actually uh, he was cut last year and uh, he only came to support his sister to be on the show uh, and she tried out and they recognized him and said, why don't you try an audition? He's like, no, no, I'm not here to audition and funny enough, uh, his sister made it and so did he, even though he wasn't trying to audition, he actually made it. So um, everybody was pretty much a front. Uh, everybody thought he was the front runner to win the to win the show. So they used their save the week prior, and uh, and Colton, uh, what he did is they did um, they did two songs, and one of them he did was Bad Romance. Now um, he he did a rock version of Bad Romance from Lady Gaga. If you don't know, which I've never been a fan of Lady Gaga, but I have to. And I did go on iTunes and I bought it because I thought he did an excellent job. Now he did an Earth, Wind, and Fire song afterwards, and then he was uh, he was booted off. Now uh, he actually blames the Lady Gaga song because of the fact of uh, if you didn't, uh, he had made it clear that uh, you know he was definitely a, a Christian artist, and that he felt that doing Lady Gaga kind of was disrespectful to his fans. And uh, because he, he guess you know, after he did the song, he just didn't realize the, you know, the message behind it was definitely not him. So uh, his interview, he talked about how 
uh, you know, he's sorry to the fans what he did and and that he definitely wants to uh, he wants to get signed so he can go on the road with uh, with all of his uh, Christian bands that he loves and adores and uh, and that he is looking forward to getting his uh, getting his music career going. So that's pretty cool. Uh, you know, immediately he, he took a stand on the show and he and he's following it through. And uh, and the cool thing is when you are booted off that early, you know you get it instantly get a CD out real quick so it's actually better for you to lose American Idol than it is for you to win the show I mean let's talk about Chris Daughtry here Chris Daughtry had a band before the uh, before American Idol and then when he was it was like the most controversial boot off he got booted off he made a CD he just took his material from his old band he put it together and I mean look at him now so and even he admits it's the best thing that could have happened to him but, uh, but yeah, it was a huge upset. A lot of people were complaining that they're not going to watch American Idol no more because of the fact that Colton was booted off. I mean, I have to admit he was definitely the guy that I was rooting for. But I'm also, uh, I also can't wait uh, because hopefully I can see him on tour with, uh, with Skillet and stuff. I think that would be pretty cool. So I'm looking forward to it, and, uh, and it was good. And Skylar, Skylar's left. She's, uh, she's kind of a hardcore country chick. She basically looks like Miranda Lambert. Uh, Miranda Lambert's sister so I would definitely say that the people that are left are definitely good uh, it was the first time I actually bought a full uh, full American Idol album because that night they did Ushers uh, You Got It Bad uh, they did um, uh, let's see they did uh, Lady Gaga's Bad Romance and then uh, Born That Way and then there was also Rolling in the Deep by Adele uh, which all of them was just really really good renditions so it was really cool so uh, American Idol was definitely controversial last week in the music business, but overall, though, it usually works out. So uh, there's kind of a real funny poll going on how the two most hated bands in all of history uh, did a show together, which would be Creed and Nickelback. So here's what's funny with this story. How is it you can consider them the two most hated bands when they sell, like, the most records? I don't get that. You know, that's like dissing the Backstreet Boys. I mean, the Backstreet Boys is sold, like... 50 million CDs, they're still going strong, and people always got a rip on them, but they're still the most successful uh, group in the history of the planet, and uh, it's like, it's it's fun to hate, almost, you know what I'm saying, it's like Creed, uh, they definitely, you know, it's like everybody loved them, and then just because they had uh, a bad fiasco in Chicago, which, you know, I'm from Chicago. I didn't see that show, though, but, you know, they got a bad rep, and then after that, they had to rebuild their reputation. But it's just funny that uh, it's considered the two bands hated the most, but yet they're two of the most successful selling bands nowadays. I mean, think about it. It is so, and I talk about this all the time. You know, back in the day, you were able to release an album with one good, you know, you had one song that was your, that your lead off for the album, and then the rest of them were filler songs. You didn't have anything good. And then... Uh, now with the digital age you can't do that no more if you release a cd you have to have a solid cd because of the fact people nitpick they don't buy your album no more they buy your singles and that's why it's cheaper to buy the album than it is to buy each song individually i mean if you know they're a dollar 29 but you were to buy them separately versus a whole cd it's you know it cost you more so i definitely in the respect of the of the digital age I'm very excited for that because that forces bands to come up with good music and you're not just skipping through. So it's been some good time. As far as the music uh, you know, world goes, 
Uh, a lot of the STL members uh, have been getting into some new music lately. Uh, you know, personal message me just saying, hey, the music you've been playing on the show, I've had to check out. It's been great. So I am very excited that the music that's been played on the show is impacting you and you are going out and checking out the bands that I play on the show. That is awesome. That makes That's what this show is all about, is to reach out and uh and uh and just, oh it's just it's good time i was thinking pump up the volume there for a second let the voice be heard but some good times man i just let the music speak for itself and it's all good so that's what i have for uh, for music news let's go ahead and get into some tv news too much tv that's what my mother tells me all right so tv news this week and we got some good ones so uh, what's funny is on the Star Wars episode, I mentioned that uh, I hadn't watched the Being Human finale. And uh, as soon as I got done recording, that night I actually sat down and watched the finale. So here's the deal. And John the Mailman actually wrote in on my thoughts on the finale, so I'm just going to say now. I love the finale. I thought it was great. It was good times. Uh, definitely, you know, you got to have your cliffhanger. You know, it, it definitely had an awesome cliffhanger. Very excited for how Season 3 is going to be. Uh, I mean, the season finale was excellent. Good time. So I definitely rate that episode of four and a half. It was awesome. Uh, Being Human is one of the best TV shows on television, period. So if you're not watching it, you need to check it out. It's excellent. And I actually know people that are not fans of werewolves, and vampires, and ghosts, but they actually enjoy the show because they really get into the characters. So it is excellent, excellent, excellent. Um, any of you Toby Mac fans out there, and I know there are some of you out there, uh, re- he was recently on The View, which was pretty flippin' awesome. Now, Toby Mac, uh, you know, I've played him on the show uh, recently. Uh, I mean, the guy, he sold 10 million records. Uh, his songs, which you've, you've heard uh, in the beginning of this uh, of the intro of Movie and Music News, uh, you know, he's definitely, uh, he's my favorite artist of all time. I followed his career since 1989. Uh, that is my that guy's my inspiration. I love that guy. He's awesome. Uh, but it was so cool to see him on the View, and uh, and it was a birthday wish uh, for Sherry, uh, one of the hosts on the show. And it was so cool to see him on the View because you know he just he tore it up after he did a song. He did like a birthday rap to her, and and everybody in the audience got his album for free. Which is so cool. So um, I definitely sit and I definitely recommend that if you like the song "Get Back Up," which is my favorite Toby Mac song, go check that sucker out on YouTube uh, for the view. And uh, and he did a really great performance. Now, of course, he's always crazy on the stage, uh, so there was no stage diving or, or any of that other stuff. Uh, but it was definitely awesome to see him on the view. It was some good times. Uh, Ringer. Now let's talk about Ringer here. Love Ringer. Okay, now I have to admit, the first three episodes were slow. It was really hard for me to get into the show, but by the third episode, it was flipping amazing. It was awesome. I really got into it. It was definitely one of those shows where every episode was just more jacked up than the last. So the season finale. Wow. I have to say that the season finale is hands down the most satisfying cliffhanger I have ever watched in TV history. Now... Just listen to what I said here. It's the most satisfying cliffhanger I've ever seen. Now, cliffhangers are not satisfying. So you're saying, Mike, how could a cliffhanger be satisfying? If you've been watching Ringer, you know exactly what I mean. That uh, the ending was, I was literally raising my arms up in the air just like, yes, yes, yes. 
The last 20 minutes was taking care of crap that had happened throughout the whole entire season. And of course there's a cliffhanger. Uh, I hope and pray that it comes back for season 2. It's currently on E's, uh, E Online. They're doing a poll to like save the show kind of thing. And essentially, you go there and uh, and you vote. It's it's number two right now, and the winner will actually have the E president go to the network of the show that won, and then say that the people want this to come back. So I really hope it comes back. Secret Circle is one of the other shows on there, which uh, I really enjoy. That show, it's really good. My, it's my wife's favorite show. And then of course, Revenge. Revenge came back. Revenge was awesome. Great ending. It's some good stuff. Uh, so yeah, it, it's been awesome. And the cool thing is, you know, Michael Knight or Mike Knight from Knight Rider 2008 is uh, is in Ringer. Uh, so it's definitely awesome to see him in that show. I love Sarah Michelle Gellar. And then, of course, the mayor of uh, Batman Begins and the Dark Knight is also, uh, he's the main cop in Ringer. So I, I highly recommend that you go check out Ringer. It's uh, it's basically about uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar plays two people. And the cool thing is she does such an amazing job because of the fact of when her evil twin sister is on screen, you just start yelling at your TV like, I don't want to watch you. You're so evil. And then the next scene will be the good twin. And you're just like, man, I love and adore this character. Even though Sarah Michelle Gellar is playing the same part, that just tells you how awesome Sarah Michelle Gellar is that she can play two people and in one second you absolutely hate her and then the next second you love her that is some good tv folks so uh it's been basically season finale time we're going to be wrapping up shows and then in the summer we are going to be getting back pretty little liars on june 5th which is my birthday so uh please send all packages and birthday presents to yours truly uh you can personally email me at uh, sweet delay podcast yahoo at yahoo.com and tell me what present you want to give me that would be awesome which that's all a joke by the way and then uh burn notice will be coming back burn notice is flipping awesome love the show it's great so as far as tv news that's all i really wanted to talk about real quick um i don't have any game news like i said i well i do actually have game news but I'm going to save the game news for the next episode, and uh, and maybe uh, Doomcast, uh, you know, Ty will, will come on and we can do like a, a quote-unquote uh, uh, sweep, the, sweep the cast or something like that, you know, sweep the Doomcast. That'd be cool just to do a, a video game episode for all you gamers out there. I think that'd be pretty cool. So we're talking about it just to see how it goes, but for right now, uh, you know, we will we'll take it as it goes. So that is what I have for everything movie, music news, and TV. Let's go ahead and get into the movie review of the week, which is Major League. Harry Doyle here welcoming all of you to another season of Indians baseball. Here's a list of players we'll be inviting to camp. This guy here is dead. Cross him off then. We'd love for you to come to spring training for a shot at this year's club. By the way, you were with me last night. Who's this chick on top of me? We'd still like to take a look at you at our spring camp. Not sure I can make it by then. Who is that? Serrano. What's his religion? Voodoo. Say hey! Willie Mays Hayes here. Play like Mays, and I run like Hayes. How you doing? What the hell league you been playing in? California Penal. Don't you have any proven Major League talent? Now I want to put together a team that'll help us relocate to Miami. You want us to lose? We've been losing. What I want is for us to finish dead last. 
this year, the Cleveland Indians have a multi-talented team. The first offering, just a bit outside. They're masters of the sacrifice. He's looking to sacrifice a live chicken. One whole chicken, just like you said. The double play. Excuse me. I have a much better body than she does. Thank you for me, she really does. And the pickoff. Every time we win, we peel a section. Tom Berenger. Zipper on your skirt stuck. Use your imagination. Charlie Sheen. These things make me look ridiculous. Seeing's the most important thing, son. I don't think it's that important. Corbin Burnson. And Bob Euchre. Haywood swings and crushes one towards South America. Major League. That ball wouldn't have been out of a lot of parks. Name one. Yellowstone. <laughs> All right, Major League. Now, uh, just for the record, I will not, and I repeat, not be covering Major League 2 or Major League 3. Uh, those are horrible sequels I was not a fan of, but Major League is definitely my favorite sports film. I mean, I, granted, I definitely watched this film uh, when I was into baseball, but, you know, when I watched it uh, for this review... Uh, I've watched it twice because this was originally supposed to be recorded a while ago. Uh, I loved every second of it. Major League has Charlie Sheen at his best. We got some Wesley Snipes, who I didn't know who Wesley Snipes was at the time. Corbin uh, Burnson. Uh, we got uh, some Charles Cyphers, which would be AKA um, Halloween. That would be uh, that would be the cop, Sheriff Brackett. Oh, he was awesome in this film. Uh, is so good. There's so many good one-liners in this film, and uh, and it and it's flipping flipping amazing. Now um, this film came out 1989, and uh, and as I said, you know Tom Tom Berenger is officially the main actor of this film because Charlie Sheen really wasn't that huge. But uh, you know the movie is essentially talking about. It's a, it's a fictional version, so obviously not a true story, but it talks about the Cleveland Indians baseball team. And uh, and uh, we got uh, some pretty crazy characters. My favorite would be Serrano. He is this uh, he's this guy who's into voodoo and has Jobu. And, uh, and it, it's just, oh, it's so flipping good. Good stuff. So, all right, let's talk about the, uh, the central plot line of this movie. So we have Rachel Phelps. Now, Rachel Phelps... Is uh, is played by good old. What are you played by, Rachel Phelps? Margaret uh, Witten. Now I know her from this one awesome flick, which if you haven't seen, I highly recommend you check it out. Uh, I may actually review it on the show. It's called uh, "Big Girls Don't Cry, They Get Even." Uh, it actually was originally titled "Step Kids," which, if you have the Ninja Turtles uh, VHS, that is the first preview on the uh, on the on the VHS because you know for years I was looking for that film and I couldn't find it. I'm like I want to see this film because it's, it's so crazy I can't even get into the plot but when I found out that they changed the name uh, she is the mother one of the mothers because there's like four mothers in that film but uh, she's played awesomely uh, in this film and she's essentially quote unquote the bad guy of this film so she is this former Las Vegas showgirl 
So she essentially inherits the Cleveland Indians baseball team from her deceased husband. And you can take it as you leave it. I'm sure she married him for his money. What she wants to do is me uh, move the team to a warm climate of Miami. But in order to do this, she has to reduce the season attendance of the stadium to under 800,000 tickets sold within the baseball season, which will trigger an escape clause in the team's lease with uh, the city of Cleveland. So in order to do that, she thinks she's going to hire the most ridiculous worst players on the face of the planet in order to pull this off. So after she moves the team, she's able to release all the current players and replace them with new ones. So what she does is she instructs her new general manager, Charlie Donovan, to hire the worst. And Charlie Donovan is played by the ever so awesome Charles Cyphers. So um, he is essentially supposed to hire the worst team possible for this list. So the list includes a veteran catcher, Jake Taylor, which is played by Tom Berenger. Uh, he has major problems with his knees, and he's last seen or first seen in Mexico. Uh, then we have the incarcerated pitcher, Ricky Wild Thing Vaughn, which is played by the awesome Charlie Sheen. Say what you want about Charlie Sheen now. Back in my day, Charlie Sheen was awesome. Love the guy. I mean, of course, I gave the Wraith the much love that it lo- that it deserves. So Charlie Sheen in my book, he is super cool, will always remain super cool, and, uh, you know, things happen. You know, Robert Downey Jr. Was, was great back in the day. He went down the crapper for a long time. And look at him now. Now he's successful. I think Charlie Sheen could definitely do the same thing. But uh, this is one of my favorite, favorite performances by Charlie Sheen. So uh, what else happens is we have this uh, power-hitting outfielder, Pedro Serrano, which is played by Mr. Allstate. Uh, he is... You, you give him um, a, a straight fastball, home run every time. But unfortunately, he can't hit curveballs. So because of the fact he practices voodoo, he uses his his, uh, his dude, Jobo, to help him hit curveballs. And then we have veteran pitcher Eddie Harris. Now, he's in the previous episode that I reviewed, The Last Boy Scout. He was the senator. Now, uh, you know, he's, he's been in a few films. I, I definitely remember him the most from this film and um, also from, um, from The Last Boy Scout. And he's played by, uh, by Chelsea Ross. And then uh, Pedro Serrano is played by Dennis Haysbert, which I mentioned before. He is the current All-State guy. Are you in good hands? Joe will say so. But sorry, that's a bad joke. So we have, um, those are kind of our main guys. And uh, now he's no longer has has a strong throwing arm. Uh, he's actually forced to uh, to doctor his pitches essentially. And then we have the third baseman Roger Dorn. Now Roger Dorn is played by Corbin Burnson, and uh, he's he used to be this one-time star, but he's under contract, uh, and he's became this high-priced uh, prima donna, if you will. Now the the cool thing is we have this manager. This manager is flipping awesome. It's uh, it's um, Lou Brown. Now Lou Brown has the coolest voice, uh, I think, in all of film. It's played by James Gammon. Uh, I don't know a whole lot of films this guy's in, but he has. Uh, his voice is so flipping awesome. I could listen to this guy forever. He's just so flipping awesome. He's he's some good times. Now uh, Lou is a is a tire. He's a tire salesman um and he managed he once managed the toledo mud hens uh for 30 years 
So uh, the movie really starts off when we hit the spring training, which goes into Tucson, Arizona. And uh, there is uh, Willie Mays Hayes kind of crashes the place, which is played by the then unknown Will uh, Wesley Snipes. Now he has this really cool line of uh, uh, "Run like Mays, play uh, play like Mays, run like Hayes," and uh, we'll get into the details of this guy. But uh, he kind of crashes the place. Uh, but uh, he's invited to join the team after they find out how fast this guy can run. So spring training reveals the several it reveals all the problems that each of the players has. Now Vaughn has an incredibly fast uh, fastball. Now the cool thing is, for real, Charlie Sheen actually threw 92 miles an hour for real on a fastball. He does admit uh, about 10 years later after this film was made that he was taking steroids during the filming of this movie but uh, when you see him throw a fastball in the movie that is Charlie Sheen throwing a fastball they actually say he's throwing like 96 97 but technically speaking he's throwing 92 miles an hour which if you can throw 92 miles an hour why are you listening to this you should be flipping playing baseball but the problem with uh, with his character is the fact that he has no control he throws super fast but he can't he can't throw he can't throw straight um, you know, uh, he needs glasses is what you're going to find out. So Willie Mays Hayes, he's able to run bases quickly, but the dude can't hit. He can only do pop-up flies. And then Serrano, even though he has tremendous power and always hits home runs, you throw him a curveball and the dude can't do it. He always strikes out. So uh, the veterans, of course, have their own problems. Uh, Dorn, he refuses to catch ground balls because he doesn't want to jack up his face. And then uh, he also have Taylor, who has the bad knees. Um, and, you know, he knows this is his last shot. This is his his last day of glory. So he's trying his hardest. I mean, he's really the heart of the film. And, I mean, we actually have a subplot with uh, Rene Russo, which I'll talk about in a little bit. But uh, when we get to the final day of the spring training, Brown has to cut the team down to 25 players. So Dorn actually plays this practical joke on Vaughn because he hates he hates Vaughn. I mean, he's just a douchebag. So immediately he just wants to pick on somebody. And what does he do? He picks on Vaughn and uh, he makes him think he was cut. And then there's this big, uh, really cool fight. And then the whole movie, these two are going to be going at it. So then we get to the opening game of of the of the season. So Taylor takes Vaughn and Hayes out for dinner, and they come across Lynn, who's played by Renee Russo. Now, she is uh, is the ex uh, is the ex of Taylor, and, uh, and he cheated on her, which was you know unfortunately uh, it's unfortunate that he cheated on her. I mean, cheating it's just horrible. Period. But the fact that you know he cheated on her is the reason why they broke up. So he believes that he can. Uh, kind of win her love again and uh you know but he's disappointed when he finds out that she is currently engaged so um the indians start the season off poorly of course i mean because they all suck and uh and vaughn's initial pitching appears to end in disaster i mean his wild pitches are earning him um some uh he gets this uh, this title wild thing by these three bunch of fans out uh, these three fans out on the stands, they just start seeing a wild thing because, you know, he's throwing wild, crazy pitches. Uh, on a rare occasion, though, Vaughn does actually throw a strike. And when he does, you know, uh, it's some good times. Now, um, he 
has this one dude, uh, Clue Hayward. Um, he is the New York Yankees' best hitter. What does he do? Anytime Vaughn throws his fastball, he hits that sucker. In fact, the first time he hits the 400 feet. So uh, now Brown actually discovers that Vaughn's eyesight is poor. And I'm talking Lou here. Uh, after giving Vaughn uh, kind of, you know, saying, I might have to bench you. And then he realizes he can't see far away. So he gives him these glasses, which are really cool. And then uh, Wild Thing remains Vaughn's name. And it kind of becomes, you know, he's kind of the, the team's ace if you will. So the team begins winning and is able to bring their their loss, their loss, win-loss percentage to .400, which, uh, you know, baseball terms, you people in baseball are going to know what that is. Now, Rachel Phelps realizes that there's not enough bad going on and that the attendance is going to, it's not going to be what she wants. So she figures she's going to start torturing the players. So what does she do? She replaces their team jet airplane with this uh, with this pro- with this crappy plane. She takes away uh, like uh, showers and I mean they have showers, but it's definitely not no fancy stuff. Uh, but the changes though, it doesn't affect their performance, and they continue to improve day on and day out. So um, Donovan actually reveals. Um, uh, Rachel Phelps plan to Lou um, basically because you know they're good friends and uh, so Lou goes back to the team tells them what Rachel Phelps is up to and they decide to screw her they are going to come back and they are going to win the whole thing because they found out they're expendable and they're figured you know what this is my only time I'm going to play baseball I might as well kick some serious ass and that's what they do and of course they're able to do this because they have an incentive uh there's this uh there's this cardboard cutout of Rachel which she's naked but uh, despite the fact that they hate her they still want to see her naked so if they every game they win they got to win like 32 games they remove one portion of the dress uh for every time that they win so of course you know uh, I mean, she's a showgirl uh, back in her day, so that's probably how they got the naked picture of her. And then they just blew it up to be like six feet tall. So uh, the team plays very well during this stretch of the season, and they eventually clinch a tie uh, for the division by beating good old Chicago White Sox on the last day of the season. Now, the one thing I do like about the, the second movie is the fact that the Chicago White Sox are the main dudes which I love that because the Sox were my team. I was never a Cubs fan. Uh, all my family was a Cubs fan. I was a Sox fan. Those are my dudes, you know, Chicago White Sox. And, you know, uh, from the wrestling episode, for those of you who didn't listen, when I was in Chicago, I saw the Bulls uh, probably about a good 32, 35 times. I can't really I can't really recall. Uh, I mean, I saw them a lot, which was pretty flipping awesome. Uh, I saw the Sox maybe a good 12, 13 times. I saw the Bears twice, and I saw the Blackhawks once. So hockey was definitely my least favorite. Now, uh, as I mentioned before, wrestling is the only sport that I watch. But you know, I mean, that's just sports entertainment. It's not really a sport. You know, I gave up on sports when I kind of uh, when I changed my life around and kind of started over. But uh, hockey games I do go to because the family has fun. When we go there and I get to see fights. And uh, the last uh, one I went to, which was two weeks ago, I had uh, fourth row. It was flipping sweet. 
But uh, definitely a Sox fan. Um, I was there when Comiskey Park first opened up. Back then, I, I don't know if it's called U.S. Cellular Field now or, or whatever it's called. But I was definitely on the on the Sox uh, club. So it was pretty cool going out on the field. And I actually have the grass in a bag uh, hanging up. It's pretty flipping cool. So, you know, and like I said, it's the Sox. So uh, I kind of I know I went off a little bit there. But the Sox were the team that they beat. Uh, the last day of the season. Now, uh, this forces a one-game playoff with the division co-leaders. And guess who those are? Yep, you guessed it. It's the Yankees. Now, prior to the playoffs, uh, Taylor convin- uh, continues to try to win back uh, Lynn. Uh, they have they actually have a night of sex, but they both agree. Well, she agrees that, you know, this is what we do best, but I'm not getting back to you. I'm not, I'm not deliver. you know, not going to dump my man. But... He's trying to win her heart back. He's trying to do the things that he screwed up as, you know, when they were together, reading Moby Dick, so on and so forth. So it's a subplot. Uh, it's a good subplot. You know, it's a, it's a well-balanced subplot that uh, mirrors very well with the main part of the story. Now, Vaughn actually learns that uh, he will not be the starting pitcher for the game. Uh, you know, after he gets his glasses, I mean, he becomes huge and famous. And uh, but due to the fact of um, Harris, uh, he, you know, he's got a lot more, a lot more um, experience. So that's why uh, he is not the main dude that will be, uh, you know, be pitching against the Yankees. Now, uh, there's another interesting twist that happens. He goes to this bar and he encounters Susan Dorn. And you hear the last name Dorn. That's because that would be the wife of the guy that hates him, which would be, uh, you know, Dorn. Uh, He and her have sex. uh, But the reason why is because she caught him uh, on a TV interview having sex with a with just a random girl so what does she do nothing like a woman scorn she gets back at him and he know she knows that he hates vaughn so she decides that she's going to sleep with them so then you get a kind of another mini subplot of what is dorn going to do after he finds out that vaughn slept with his woman uh so pretty crazy and of course you know he finds out that uh you know that that was his wife uh, after after they're all done and she tells him you know and then of course jake uh sees him and he's just like oh my gosh what are you gonna do so taylor addresses vaughn to keep his distance from dorn for most of the game by staying in the bullpen so the game remains scoreless until we get to the seventh inning when harris gives up two runs uh i mean the guy is pretty old so he has no pitch i mean i, I definitely i think my nine-year-old could throw faster than this guy so we get to Pedro Serrano. Now I haven't talked too much about him. That's because I'm saving him for the detailed, for the details. But Serrano comes to the plate uh, in the bottom of the seventh, and he misses the two curveballs. I mean, they all know he can't hit curveballs. So what does he do? He threatens Jobu, and he's like, you know, uh, I come to you, Jobu. Uh, you know, I'm faithful to you. But you know, help me now. I say, f you, Jobu. I do it myself, which is my favorite part of the film and then he hits this uh, two run home run off the curveball on the next pitch ties the game which is pretty awesome now uh, Harris I didn't mention before uh, he's he's supposedly quote unquote a a devout Christian but uh, he definitely doesn't have any uh, Christian attitude when we get later on into 
the uh, the film review, which I'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, but he's actually keeping uh, Serrano's voodoo doll by his side while he warms up prior to the game starting. Now, in the top of the ninth, the Yankees are actually able to lead the base, and Vaughn's called in to uh, to relieve Harris. So we get the crowd going crazy, and Wild Thing plays, and, and it's a good time. So Vaughn and Taylor are concerned when Dorn comes over, and, uh, you know, he's just like, I only got one thing to say to you. And he's just like, oh, gosh. And he's like, strike this mother effer out. And he's and he just kind of smiles because you're like, holy cow, uh, I, you weren't expecting that, and neither was he. So Vaughn, you know, of course, goes up against his his arch enemy, uh, Clue Haywood from the New York Yankees, and this is where you see the 96 mile an hour, 98, and then 101, three strikes, he's out, he's flipping awesome, and then uh, and then the 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 inning ends. So then we get to the end of the film, and this is when it gets real good. So we got two outs in the bottom of the ninth, and Willie Mays Hayes. Now, one thing I didn't mention, he is all about stealing bases. He wants to break the record. He actually has 100 uh, gloves that uh, he hangs up on the wall for every base that he steals. So he actually manages to get on first, and then he steals the second. So we get Taylor comes to bat, and what does he do? He does a Babe Ruth. He actually signals where he's going to hit the ball, pisses off the other team. They're just like, whatever, that's not going to happen. But uh, Taylor actually uh, changes the game plan. He bunts instead, and it catches the Yankees off guard. And uh, now, of course, he has weak weak knees, so he's trying to run as fast as he can. They do it in slow motion, so it's this real epic slow motion. You see Willie Mays trying to, you know, trying to uh, to steal the base, and uh, Taylor gets the first base, and uh, and Hayes rounds third, heads to home. And, uh, and they win the game, and it's flipping awesome. Uh, as the team celebrates, uh, Dorn, of course, gets his revenge, and he punches Vaughn in the face, but he helps him back up. And then, of course, Serrano and Harris, uh, because they've been hating each other the whole film, they hug, everything's cool. And then Jake actually finds that Lynn uh, did not get married. She, she got rid of her engagement ring, and, uh, and they kiss, and the movie's over. So, uh, so yeah, it is flipping, flipping awesome. Um, that's that, that's it in a nutshell. Uh, we got a lot of good, lot of good details uh, in this uh, that I'm going to talk about real quick here. All right, now uh, before I get into some of my favorite parts of the film, if you watch the theatrical ending, which most people don't, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just a lot of people don't watch the special uh, features. I have the Wild Thing edition. Now, there's kind of an interesting twist, but uh, test screening audiences were kind of pissed off with this ending, so they scrapped it because essentially Rachel Phelps is not a villain. Here's what happens. Um, you know, Lou comes into the office, gives his, his Reagan, eh, resignation because I can't talk today, and tells her that, you know what, in good conscience, I can't work for you after you tried to sabotage the team. She tells him that uh, she loves the Indians. She never wanted to move them. And, uh, you know, she inherent she inherited the, the club from her late husband, but it was on the brink of bankruptcy. So she figured that uh, if she, because she couldn't afford, you know, the top players, she took a chance. She hired some unproven players 
and uh, you know, and she personally scouted every single one of them. And then she tells Lou that you know, likewise, she felt that he was the right manager to bring the to bring the group together. And then Phelps made uh, that she made up the whole entire scheme uh, to to save the team. And then of course she says that you know, if you tell anybody, I'm gonna fire you. Uh, I like that alternate ending. I mean, it's definitely a definitely a twist, but. Rachel Phelps is definitely an excellent villain, and this totally tarnishes her character. So I get the fact of why it's an alternate ending. It's cool to watch. It's definitely a, a cool twist, kind of like Faster. You know, uh, that's, in my opinion, the most underrated Dwayne Johnson film there is. Uh, that's where, you know, it's kind of like a remake of Death Wish. Uh, he doesn't talk very much in that film. I pro- he probably has like 15 minutes of dialogue the whole film. But Billy Bob Thornton is the cop that's going after him. Uh, the alternate ending of Faster actually has all the action sequences, like 90% of the action sequences, in the alternate ending. So everything you see in the trailer, 90% of that happens in the alternate ending that you get on the DVD or Blu-ray. So it's kind of funny when that happens. So a uh, little trivia for you there. But, uh, but yeah, that's essentially some of the some of the fun stuff of of the uh, of the movie all right now when the movie starts off uh it has a really really slow song very very slow i mean it's almost like put you to sleep kind of slow song which you know is kind of a bad way to start off your film just saying you know you would you kind of want something a little more energetic than the song they play i mean essentially they're going through the uh, you know the ins and outs of Cleveland and kind of giving you the history and stuff, but I'm just saying uh, that's one of the weak points of the film, and there's not many, but for me, one of the weak points is is definitely the very beginning of the movie. There's that slow song, but otherwise, you know, once the movie, once the song ends and the movie gets going, it really gets going, and it's some really good times. So when we get introduced to Rachel. She's a great bad guy. I mean, she's got the great lines that definitely tell you that she's the she's the queen biatch, and and you don't mess with this chick. She is definitely awesome. And then we get Sheriff Brackett, uh, his introduction, which is great. I mean, I, I love Sheriff Brackett. He's definitely one of the highlights of the Halloween uh, Halloween one. I mean, of course, he's only in Halloween two for like I don't know three minutes, but. Love Sheriff Brackett, and uh, and he was definitely a great guy because he's always cheering for the team behind her back. He wanted the Cleveland Indians to win. She didn't. So his little smirks here and there and his little claps definitely made, uh, made things have heart and uh, definitely uh, made it funny. So I uh, love that guy. I love Sheriff Brackett. He has some good times. Now... Uh, what I really like are the Chinese guys. Now, uh, they start talking about how crappy the team is, and then in Chinese, they start saying how how crappy they are. But they use the other word for crap, if you know what I'm saying. And uh, and it's funny when you read that. Uh, my nine-year-old was sitting down and uh, and watching the film with me because she was she was going to go to bed in like 15 minutes. I said, "Yeah, sure, you can sit down and watch it." You know, I, I didn't it didn't bother me too much. And, uh, and she sees the word on the screen and she goes, did I just say what I think it just said? I said, yeah, I did and don't ever repeat it. She goes, okay. And then like 10 minutes later, she fell asleep. No big deal. So I just thought it was kind of funny. So uh, another great scene 
is uh, is Jake uh, yelling at the general manager for calling in, which, you know, Sheriff Brackett, a.k.a. Uh, Charles Cyphers. Uh, his name is, Char- is Charlie Donovan, as I mentioned before. But it's just funny when he's calling Jake and he just starts yelling, like, you know, if you're going to call me and harass me, at least say that you're calling from the Yankees. And then he just hangs up the phone. I mean, it, it's kind of a, sh- uh, a foreshadowing to let you know that the Yankees are the team that they're going to be dealing with. So it's kind of a nice, subtle foreshadowing of the film, which is pretty cool. Now, uh, one of the best parts of the film is when uh, when he calls Lou, and uh, Lou's you know at his tire place, and he's like, "How would you like to manage the Yankees?" He goes, "Oh, I don't know." Just kind of like, how could you say no to managing a professional baseball team, regardless of how crappy they are? It was flipping hysterical. I mean, that's your first impression of Lou. Uh, he has. One, he has some of the greatest one-liners of this film. He is definitely, um, you know, the top third best person of this uh, character of this film. I mean, he's flipping awesome, good stuff. So I like all the introductions to all the players. You know, when you see Serrano for the first time, and and when you see Vaughn for the first time, you know, you see him in jail, and and uh, and Pedro is pretty awesome looking with uh, with his glasses and. And uh, when they get in the room and he, he just kind of takes Dorn's golf clubs and he just gives them that look like, you know, don't mess with me. I need I need hat for bats. You know, Serrano is flipping awesome. He's, he's some great, great times. So Dorn immediately, you know, he's a jerk off because, uh, you know, when Vaughn comes in, he starts making fun of his hair. So they definitely set up right away that Dorn is going to be the douchebag of the film. But, I mean, at least his character definitely gets redeemed by the end of the film, which is what you want. So none of these characters are definitely uh, lame or not fleshed out or any way. Definitely awesome. Each one of them has their own personal story throughout the film and uh and it comes along very very nicely i might add and uh you know immediately vaughn uh jack and willie those are your three main guys that you're going to root for i mean of course serrano uh comes in there a little bit later but those are your that's your bread and butter of this film is uh is vaughn is uh jack and willie those are your three main dudes. Serrano is is definitely number four. Uh, love Serrano. Now, uh, one of the things I, I absolutely love is when uh, when Willie Mays Hayes, you know, they find out he crashed the place. He's not on the list, and he gets cut. And they're all running outside during the practice, and he just wakes up and he's like, "Oh crap!" But he doesn't say crap. He goes, "I've been cut already." And uh, these dudes, they start running, and they're halfway done to the finish line. And Willie Mays Hayes flipping catches up with the guys i mean they put it in slow motion but immediately when they find out how fast he is they're like okay you know you're you're the dude uh let's keep you but they find out how crappy he is and one thing i love that Lou says is well you may run like maze but you hit like s (laughs) it's flipping hilarious good stuff so we get the 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 holy war, if you will, uh, scene. Which one? This is probably one of my favorite favorite scenes of the film. So Serrano's doing, you know, sitting down with Jobo, doing his little thing, and uh, he starts doing his uh, his his talk, and uh, and the guys come over, and uh, and and he talks about uh, how uh, he has hard time with curveball, and Jobo will help. So Harris comes over. He goes, 
you know, you might think about taking Jesus Christ as your savior instead of dealing with all this stuff. And then uh, Doran gets all mad like, oh God, and then he walks away. And then Serrano just turns around and he has a smile and he goes, ah, Jesus, I like him very much, but he no help me with curveball. And then Harris is like, you trying to say Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball? <laughs> and then they're just like, okay, let's not start a, ho- a holy war. And then Serrano just kind of gets in his face and then Harris makes a joke. He's like, I wouldn't leave that rum hanging around with these guys. And then Serrano's like, it's very bad to touch Jobu's rum. It is very bad. And then Harris just like looks at him like, okay, you know. I mean, it's it's probably my favorite scene of the film. Flipping awesome. It's just so good. Uh, those two are just so great together. Uh, absolutely hysterical. Now, uh, when Vaughn is pitching uh, and, uh, and he's getting dissed on by Lou, and he goes, you know, you may be a pitcher, but you're not a good dresser. And so Charlie Sheen grabs his nuts and he readjusts them, kind of like his way of flipping off Lou. It's subtle, but it's some good, good times. And then Dorn, you know, gives Lou his contract and just says, you know, I have this and this and I can't do ground balls. And Lou just takes his contract and starts to pee all over it. Flipping hysterical. I mean, that that's the kind of humor that we're dealing with in this film. Uh, it's definitely, you know, it's not gross-out humor, but uh, it, it was kind of to the extreme humor back in the day, which I think is why it works, because of the fact of it was uh, more hardcore uh, humor than we're used to seeing back then, but it's still not over the top uh, like the, like the gross-out humor that we have today, which is why I think the film still works perfectly. Because you have some scenes that are just like, I can't believe he peed all over his contract. Uh, But it's just like, it's not grossed out, you know. Uh, You still have to use your imagination. It's good. It's definitely, this film still works today uh, very, very well. And uh, one thing I forgot to mention is every time Serrano does his voodoo stuff, they play this real funny music in the background. It's kind of like this this laughing uh, in the background. Uh, to like to you know I mean I guess what voodoo music would sound like it really brings the scene to make it that much funnier every time they play the music it's good now uh, you know if you listen to Buried you guys know that me and Jason absolutely hate snakes but good old Serrano uh, he loves snakes he actually uses snakes to do his voodoo signs because during the the, the time that they cut you uh, and you open your your locker to see if you have a red tag in there. He uses his little voodoo sign uh, each time with a snake, and uh, and it's hilarious. And eventually, Wesley Snipes starts to, uh, you know, Willie Mays Hayes starts to think that maybe this voodoo stuff should be the way to go. And uh, and he takes he takes a snake and he actually kisses it. And he's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just kissed it. Uh, so definitely hilarious. So uh, when Vaughn gets cut, you know, from the joke that uh, Dorn plays on him, he gets real mad at Lou and, and starts to uh, to swear at him and just tell him that you're going to be sorry that you cut me and I'll stick uh, this ball up your, you know, you just take it where I'm going with this. And then, of course, Lou just nonchalant, real cool, calm and collective just says, good, I like that kind of spirit. I think somebody's messing with you because I didn't cut you. And then that's when you get the whole fight between him and Dorn. I just love Lou. Lou is just the, the cool cat 
of of the whole of the whole movie. He's just so good. I mean, like uh, for example, there's one scene where uh, where uh, Willie Mays Hayes catches the ball uh, from behind his back, and he goes, "That's a great ch- That's a great catch. Don't ever effing do it again." I mean, that's just the way that he is, which is what makes Lou absolutely hysterical in this film. Uh, and then, of course, we have the the guys talking in Chinese uh, as they're they're slowly getting better, but they still in their you know in their languages say they're still essy, you know they're still crappy, um, and uh, that's just kind of a running gag. And then finally, at the end, they start to change things. So when we get introduced to Renee Russo, now I love Renee Russo, uh, big fan of hers. Uh, definitely love her in uh, in Lethal Weapon three and Lethal Weapon four. She was actually in this one movie with Michael Keaton called One Good Cop. Very, very hardcore, serious film. Um, actually, Michael Keaton's partner gets murdered, and he has to take on his children. And then uh, Michael Keaton actually has to rob a drug dealer in order to to support Rene Russo and uh, and his and the children. Very dramatic film, but I love it. It's so good. And and that's when I really became a fan of Rene Russo was after I saw One Good Cop. And uh, and she's solid in this film all the way. Uh, she's definitely you know a co-star. She definitely doesn't have like a, a major screen time, but when she's on screen, she's solid. Uh, she's definitely good times. And uh, and the scene when you when you're first seeing Rene Russo for the first time and, and Taylor's just looking at uh, at her, I I really like the scene where uh, you know Vaughn just says when she sees that he's with another guy, just says, uh, "Would you like me to go over there and kick the crap out of him?" And uh, and Taylor doesn't say nothing or do nothing and, and just Vaughn just looks at him with that look like. Well, I guess not. It just kind of shakes his head, and and they just let it go. Uh, there's just a lot of subtle lines like that that really help make the film um, very, very good. Uh, so I, I just I can't express enough how much I really enjoy this movie. It's just so flipping good. All right, so let's talk about the prayer scene. Uh, now there's, uh, you know, they're going to go out in the field, and uh, and you know, Harris is like, you know, can we all say a prayer? And uh, and Serrano starts to do his voodoo stuff, and uh, and there's this explosion, and uh, and Serrano just turns around and says, "I have to wake up bats," and he just kind of turns around and just puts his arms up to Joba, like, "Can you believe this guy?" And then when the explosion happens, Harris is like, you know, he takes the Lord's name in vain, and he's just like, "Oh, you know, oh, you know, can we do this again?" And he just starts swearing, and and then he just starts uh, trying to do the prayer again. And, uh, and that's kind of uh, when you realize that uh, Harris is definitely an interesting character. Uh, but the best part is when uh, he they're all getting ready in the locker room. Harris walks by and sees that, uh, that uh, Serrano and Jobu left the rum behind. And what does he do? He takes a drink of it. He goes, up your butt, Jobu. And what happens? He walks out on the field and he gets cracked in the back of the head on the back of the head with a baseball bat. Uh, real karma for you. Good stuff. All right, now let's talk about Harry Doyle. I didn't talk about him in the recap. Uh, he's played by Bob Euchre. Now you're probably gonna know him, especially in TV land. Uh, he was actually uh, George Owens in the 1980s uh, sitcom uh, called Mr. Belvedere, which was uh, really good times. 
Uh, he was actually a professional baseball player. He was a sportscaster, a comedian, an actor. Uh, his commentary in this film is excellent. I mean, of course, he's a real commentary, so why wouldn't it be awesome? But he goes, every, he has just as much of a part as the other guys because he goes from being supportive to being drunk as an announcer because he knows nobody's listening to being the uh, the advocate of of the Cleveland Indians, and then and he and he just comments on the film very very well. Uh, he is definitely great. Uh, in this film, and he definitely helps make the film more uh, realistic. Like you're like you're watching a real baseball game. He does an excellent job, and, and he has a lot of funny scenes, which is also uh, very nice as well. Now, uh, Willie Mays Hayes, you know, as I mentioned before, he talks about how he bought a hundred uh, gloves for every base that he's going to steal, uh, and then of course he immediately gets taken out. The first time he tries to steal. And then when we get the introduction of Wild Thing. Uh, it kind of foreshadows what's going to be happening later on in the film. How he's going to be you know, Ricky, Wild Thing, Vaughn. Uh, and I like the three guys that kind of come up with the song. They're hilarious. And you see them throughout the film in the stands. So they definitely don't. They don't just have the one gimmick. And then you don't see them. You definitely see them throughout the rest of the movie. Which is really a nice touch. Now, uh, we do get some trash talking in the film, of course, because we all know that, well, at least we, we hear that the sports players like to uh, talk trash to one another. And uh, the first time we see the New York Yankees and we, and we see the big guy that uh, just creams Vaughn's fastball, uh, before he hits it, he, he tells uh, Taylor, he's like, so how's your wife and my kids? I mean, that's probably the first time I ever heard that line. It's definitely a famous line used dramatically in other movies, but uh, it's definitely a funny moment uh, when you hear him say that. And then the best is after Vaughn. Uh, has the uh, has a grand slam because that's what he does. He's you know he has no control. He's walked everybody, and then when he hits the home run, there's a grand slam. And what does he do? The first time a new pitcher comes up, he throws the ball right in the back of a dude, and uh, and it was just priceless. It was some good stuff. And then he gets thrown out of the game. He starts swearing everybody. Uh, it's it's some good baseball. That, uh, that you normally, kind of, you know, well, you don't really normally see, but there's definitely the moment of where you see somebody being thrown out of a game. So uh, it's kind of like the, the hockey fight. We get, a, we get a baseball fight, which is good. So uh, Moby Dick. Now, what's funny is, you know, Taylor's trying to win back Rene Russo. And uh, one of the, her big things, in fact, if you never read Moby Dick, uh, what does he do? He does what any guy would do. He cheats and he buys the comic book. So he can get all the Cliff Notes version of the book, which I thought was priceless. Now, I like all the scenes when, you know, the boys have all their stuff taken away. You know, they get the crappy plane. We get some pretty funny scenes with that. Uh, you know, when the guys have uh, have no whirlpool and they use like a, a boat uh, engine to get the get the bubbles going. I kind of like how they modify uh, to, to, to take care of their needs. It's good stuff. They definitely don't let Rachel get the best of them. Uh, they keep their head up, which is definitely a good thing. All right, so Vaughn's glasses. Now, uh, I definitely like uh, his first scene when he has the, the real funny orange kind of glasses. And, uh, and Lou's just like, you know, seeing is the most important. And then Willie Mays Hayes is just like, no, it ain't. 
And uh, and then we get the the really great glasses later where they're black with the skull in the middle, which definitely fits Vaughn's personality. Definitely enjoy his glasses because it's definitely an interesting look. You know, it gives him a, a more tough factor, and uh, it's all he looks almost geeky, but he looks badass at the same time, which is really cool. And that's the I think that's what the illusion or or what they were going for, and they and they pull it off very well. Now, uh, when Dorn actually, uh, quote-unquote, tanks a play because, uh, you know, he doesn't want to assist uh, Vaughn in any way uh, because the ball went to him towards third base, but he didn't dive for it. And uh, he tries to tell Taylor, Jack, you know, Jack, that he doesn't want to jack up his face. And, uh, and there's just a nice conversation when he's just like, you know, this is... This is it, you know. Nobody's gonna get another chance at this, and uh, you tank another play. You tank another play like that. Uh, next time, I'm just gonna take the ball and, and shove it down your throat. But he has other choice words there, and that's what really kind of changes things for Dorn to take things more seriously, and uh, what changes his whole attitude. Which uh, you, then you realize how good of a baseball player Dorn really is. They really improve his character after that scene. Which is some really good resolution. Now uh, later, when uh, when Taylor and uh, and Renee Russo uh, get together, uh, you know he follows her home because you know Willie Mays just kind of makes a joke about how uh, why don't you just follow her home? And, and Jake's like, well, isn't that kind of juvenile? And uh, and Willie's like, well, yeah, but uh, he he follows her home, uh, and uh, and they they get together, and that's kind of when. Uh, they're going to start having sex again. And she starts to quiz him. You know, did you read Moby Dick? And he's like, yeah. And she starts to ask him questions about it. But because he read the comic book, evidently the comic book covered enough of the material that he needed to say. And uh, and he was successful in his questions. And, uh, and then she specifically says, you know, this is what we do best. But uh, it doesn't change anything. And uh, because you earlier will come in contact with uh, her fiance, but uh, he's just all about trying to be the, you know, show up Jake and uh, and just, you know, show that I'm rich and I'm powerful and uh, you're nothing, you're nobody, you're a loser. Uh, it's a really, there's a really good scene, you know, it's a, it's a confrontation scene and it lasts about six or seven minutes. But uh, it really kind of shows you that Taylor is the better guy, even though he cheated on her, that uh, he's the better guy for her based on the guy that she has now. And that he's really trying to change himself for the better so he can win her back. Uh, it's a really good subplot. Uh, it works well. It doesn't drag the film down. Uh, maybe a little bit, you could say. But if it drags the film down, it's maybe for like six or seven minutes. They really don't focus on it too much. Uh, but it definitely works for me. And uh, when we get to the end of the film and uh, and we see Harris pitching, man, it's really bad. I mean, I know it's supposed to show you that he isn't uh, the fastest pitcher in the world, but, man, it's like he's throwing, like, under underhand. I mean, that's how slow his pitches are. It's a wonder that they kept the score 0-0, zero to zero, but they really proved that uh, by showing you how good the outfield is is so it's definitely awesome when we get Vaughn up there uh we spend a good uh about six minutes 
with this scene, you know, just the the one-on-one slow motion, I'm going to strike you out scene, excellent, excellent times. And then, of course, probably everybody's favorite, uh, or if not one of your favorite scenes is the Serrano, you know, saying screw you or F you Jobo. You know, he's got two strikes and he's like, you know, Jobo, you don't help me now, I say F you. Uh, I do it myself. And then he and then he does a home run. It's great. Uh, love this scene. I mean, this ending is most definitely exciting, fulfilling all around. Just a great ending. Uh, I love when Charlie just kind of takes a stand against Rachel and just kind of claps anyway. So just overall, really, really good, um, good, good stuff. So uh, and then, of course, when Wild Thing comes out, I like when Rachel's just like, I hate this FN song. Just says it real slow, which, you know, right there, it's just the you really the alternate ending doesn't play well with the ending of this film. By the way, she's she's rooting and wanting them to lose. So that's why the alternate ending really doesn't work. So overall, uh, that's it. I mean. What is it I I don't like about this film? I honestly have to say, uh, believe it or not, would be the beginning of the film with the super slow song. I mean, that's really uh, the down point of the film that I just kind of I cringe and just roll my eyes at. But if I was to think of things I don't like about the film, you know, I try looking. There really isn't anything I don't like. I mean, it's solid from from after the the intro song. To the end of the film, it's just so good. It, it flows well. It's very, uh, it's very fast. Uh, I mean, you could say that the Jake Love story slows it down a little bit. It just depends how you want to look at it. Uh, I can give you that. If you think that the weak points of the film is the love story, uh, I could give you that. I mean, if you were to take the love story out of the film, uh, the film would be a half hour shorter. It would definitely flow a lot faster than it already does. But I think you need the love story just to calm the comedy down and just to kind of give you a solid ground. For me, the love story works but I could see somebody having an issue or say it slows things down. Uh, for me, I would definitely give this sucker, uh, man, I, I would give it five stars. I love it. I love this film. I wa- I can watch it any day of the week. I still laugh at the same jokes. Uh, it's great. I love it. I, I don't. Like I said, the the beginning intro, I mean, it lasts for like two minutes. Uh, two minutes isn't going to stop me from giving it a perfect score. For me, I'm sure there's a problem with it somewhere. I'm sure somebody will find something. For me, I can wa- I've watched it so many times, so many years. Uh, and for me, it still holds up today. The, the jokes are classic. I'm still excited. I love the characters. Uh, the sequels are horrible. Uh, I love it. Five stars. Uh, I would say it's a weak five stars, not a strong five stars. Uh, it's It could definitely be on the brink of uh, a very strong four and a half week five. But for right now, I'm going with the week five stars. It's just great, great, great stuff. All right, so, uh, so that's it. Let's go ahead and get into what the STL Nation had to say. All 
All right. Now, we don't have uh, too many emailers this time, uh, which is fine. Uh, if you want to email in, it's sweetdelaypodcastyahoo.com. Um, any of the Star Wars ones from Episode 1, not going to read those. Done with Star Wars. We're just calling it a day. Uh, I don't really want to talk about it right now, so those are gone. Uh, I'm just moving on forward uh, with some Major League here. So uh, he, the first email comes from uh, John the Music Man, and uh, he says, Hello, sir. Major League is a great, fun film with some classic 80s starts uh, like uh, Mr. Charlie Sheen. This is one of my favorite sports movie comedies. So many great quotes, like some of the ones I have below. Um, Willie Mays Hayes. What the hell league you been playing in? Uh, Ricky Vaughn, California Pino, uh, Willie Mays Hayes, never heard of it. How'd you end up playing there? Ricky Vaughn, stole the car. Willie Mays Hayes, I bought a hundred of these, one for every base I'm going to steal. Excuse me while I take my first step towards the Hall of Fame. Uh, Pedro Serrano, uh, I'm pissed now, Jobo. Look, I go to you. I stick up for you. You don't hear me now. I say F you, Jobo. I do it myself. Uh, I watched this again recently, and the movie still holds up and cracks me, especially watching Wesley Snipes. As William Mays Hayes, for the most part, he still is the movie for me. So thank you, John, the music man. Really appreciate your email, sir. All right, and uh, we also have uh, Sebastian uh, writes in. And uh, which I got rid of the the comedian at the end. Uh, me and him talked offline for a little while, and uh, Sebastian definitely uh, writes uh, writes great emails, especially when he's not trying to be a, a comedian. So uh, so I got rid of the the comedian nickname. Uh, he's cool. I'm cool. Uh, he just which is better off uh, just Sebastian for now. So uh, he writes in, but he doesn't have much to say. He just says hello, sweep delay podcast. I give Major League a four. 0.255 out of five stars and that's all he has to say so uh he didn't have too much to say there and then our final email uh comes from uh john the mailman and uh and this is just some random stuff which is good uh he just says what's up mike how are you feeling uh feeling okay uh i'm definitely feeling better now that i'm doing this episode uh, i'm definitely uh getting my therapeutic if you will so it, it's been good got a busy week coming up but overall i feel good he says uh i want to restate here on the podcast for those who may not be on the facebook page stop giving my boy mike a hard time on the star wars movies it's just a movie that can be enjoyed by anyone and everyone just because he didn't go reading books and interviews finding out uh more info on a fake and non-existing stuff doesn't mean you can't come at him. Give, Get a life and stop living in that fake one. Uh, well, John the Mailman, he's definitely always got my back. You know, John the Mailman, John the Music Man, uh, they, were, uh, they were the first two to support me in my decision to cancel the Star Wars series. Um, you know, a cheerful Charlie, uh, he definitely wanted the Star Wars series. Um, you know, I, I have to admit, I, I wanted to continue to do it. I mean, it would have been great, but the heartache just isn't, uh, just isn't in for me. You know, I, not like I get paid to do this, you know, it takes a lot of time and energy and, uh, to, to record and, and put this together. And, uh, and just the, to know the fact of when I post this, what kind of, uh, Holy Grail, issues am i going to get just not worth it to me so uh i'm happy uh, i'm not happy but uh, i'm I, I stand by my decision 
and uh, and I'm moving on, and uh, I'm at peace with it. So for all you out there that are disappointed, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, life goes on, uh, but I promise you that uh, that going forward, uh, we're going to have just as much fun on these episodes as we would have on a Star Wars episode. And if you're concerned if Ty won't be back on, he'll definitely be on. I just don't know when. Uh, and any other guest host I get, uh, it'll definitely be good times, and I'll give you four fair warning. But uh, but that's what uh, John the Mailman said in regards to that. He goes on to say that, so anyways, uh, I didn't watch the movie and been so long since I've seen it. I remember some of the people and love some uh, wild and I love me some wild thing. Uh, I can't wait to hear the rest of the one-off movies, uh, which the original intention was to every other week. I was going to be doing some one-off films like Judge Dredd and Return to Oz, kind of like I mentioned before. Uh, I'm going to be doing uh, The Last Dragon is next week. Uh, That's Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon. It's an awesome kung fu movie. Uh, Bruce Bruce Leroy and and we have Shonuff in there. So go check it out. If you can't find it at your local uh, video store, check it out on YouTube. Uh, and he says, uh, I can't wait to hear the rest of the one-offs, Return to Oz and Judge Dredd especially. Uh, we had a nice talk on Facebook page about how crazy Return to Oz is, which when I get to my review, I'm telling you, it is not a family film. Return to Oz is a straight-up flipping horror film. You'll know what I mean when we get there. So uh, he says, how's the Marvel rewatching going? Which it's been going great. Uh, I will be finishing my Marvel rewatch probably tomorrow night because I just found out the wife is off. So we'll be doing, um, we have to finish off with Thor and then Captain America. And uh, I'm going to start mine very soon. And I know I asked you this already, but your thoughts on the Being Human finale uh, maybe the rest of the STL Nation might want to know. Have a great show. John the Mailman considered this email delivered, which I did get my thoughts uh, that in the TV news section. Uh, you know, I loved it. It was great. Excellent. Uh, I cannot wait for season three. And as always, sir, thank you so much for writing it. Always excellent to hear from you. Uh, and that's what we got, guys. And uh, you want to follow the show? Uh, we got uh, the STL podcast on Twitter. You want to write the show? It's Sweet Delay Podcast, Yahoo.com. If you are not on the Facebook page already, please do so. Go to www.facebook.com slash Sweet Delay Podcast. Be a fan. We got 38 likes on there. I would love to get this thing to 50 within the next month. So please just take, I know you're on Facebook. Just take a second, type in Sweep Delay Podcast. Go in there and like the sucker. It'd be great. Uh, I'd just love to get more interaction from you. If you want to be part of the STL group, the STL um, Nation Randomness group, it's super fun. We got about 23 members. Um, really, it's super fun. We talk about random topics every single day. Uh, really good stuff. I get a lot of ideas from the hardcore fans there about upcoming shows. They really help put the next set of movies coming up. Uh, they really help me with that. So please, 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 if you want to do that, just type that in Facebook and I will go ahead and accept you. Don't forget iTunes. iTunes, very, very important. Uh, currently, I'm sitting at 12 in regards to reviews. Which, you know, 12 is good, 12 is decent, uh, you know, and I got 16 ratings. But uh, 
you know, Charlie recently um, went ahead and reviewed um, the iTunes. He actually overrode his original update about the Star Wars episode. So if you got, you know, just take a take two minutes, go on iTunes, just get, you know, give the podcast a rating, do a quick review. I'd love to hear it, uh, read it on the show. It'd be great. The more reviews I get, uh, the more the show can get out to everybody. So, uh, so yeah, that's, uh, that's, I guess all the good stuff. So let's get into, uh, the music spotlight. All right, music spotlight time. And I'll tell you, I got an epic music spotlight for you. I got not one, not two, but I got three songs for you tonight. Yes. Uh, now, the first song you heard in the very beginning of the episode was from my favorite band, Pillar. Uh, that was for the love of the game. Now, Major League Baseball heard that song, contacted the band, and said, we want to use that as the theme song of Major League Baseball in 2009. So that's probably where you heard it. You probably heard that song in the stadium. Uh, That's my second favorite Pillar song. I love it. It's great. Uh, You could definitely apply that song to to sports, to life, to whatever you want to apply it to. That song definitely fits. Uh, That will be the last song. The the main spotlight tonight is uh, Burn It Down by Linkin Park. Uh, Big Linkin Park fan. Uh, The last CD didn't go too well, but this new song is uh, currently been on TNT's basketball previews. It's kind of the return to form. We got the good old singing and, and the rapping. Uh, not too hardcore. Uh, definitely a common uh, music person could dig this song. I love it. Go out there. Get it on iTunes. It's only $1.29. Excellent song. And then after that, uh, I had a request from my boy Monday Night Jason. Uh, this has been going on for a while now. Uh, his, one of his all-time favorite Linkin Park songs is uh, Breaking the Habit. Uh, He's never heard the live version, which I have. So I promised him uh, a couple months ago I would play that for him. Uh, So that will be after Burn It Down. Uh, So that one is uh, for you. Uh, And, you know, if you have a song request, um, hopefully, uh, you know, I definitely will take them and uh, I could throw them in the list of uh, future episodes, uh, music spotlights. But that one is for uh, Monday Night Jason. And uh, the last one, as I said, uh, if you want to stick around for it, uh, is the uh, For the Love of the Game. Uh, excellent song. And, uh, and and that's it. Now, uh, before I sign off, don't forget to check out some of my other favorite podcasts. Of course, we have Jason's podcast, which we have Flicks and Film of Focus and uh, Show Me the Winston. Uh, I tell you to check out The Shadowy Flight. That's just because I'm biased and I, and I actually host that show now. Uh, so that's Knight Rider. Uh, so go out there, support me, please. Uh, we need some more downloads on that podcast. And then uh, another you know, new podcast I love is uh, uh, Movie Mo- uh Month uh, movie monthly mojo because I can't talk today. Uh, Jameson, you know he's wrote in for the past couple episodes. Uh, great guy, him and Brian. Uh, they do a really good time. Jason's promoted them recently on Flicks. Great podcast. Go check it out. Also, if you like Batman, go check out Batman on Film. Excellent podcast. Modern Myth Media for all you comic book uh, superhero geeks out there. Modern Myth Media is the one stop shop to all comic book and all 
uh, superhero uh, podcast. I mean, that is the cream of the crop. You can't get any better than that. It's flipping awesome. Uh, and then if uh, you're a fan of Skillet, they got their own podcast. It's a video podcast, about 10 minutes. Go check that on out. Love that one. And then, uh, and then, yeah, that's some of my uh, some of my favorites. It's some good times. So that's what I have, guys. Uh, so check out next week when we'll be talking about uh, Bruce Leroy and uh, and Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon. This movie has a lot of awesome music in it. So expect the soundtrack to be played during this movie review because the soundtrack is killer and uh, amazing. And the movie is just excellent. Little Ernie Reese Jr. is in there. Uh, classic, classic movie. Absolutely love it. And uh, and that'll be the movie right before review the Avengers. So that's what I have, guys. You take care. This is Masunas out.
Break! 
I don't know what's worth fighting for Why I have to scream I don't know why I instigate Say what I don't mean I don't know how I got this way I'll never be alright So I'm breaking the habits I'm breaking the habits I'm breaking the habits Tonight Tokyo! Thank you very much.
手来。